Although we can't go back in time, we can reflect on our past experiences and learn from them. But wouldn't it be so amazing if we could? If you could, what would you tell yourself? This is Letters to My Younger Self. I'm Liz Gardner. Join me as we talk with some of my favorite people about their life stories and how they've learned and how we can become a little better by hearing their incredible stories. Dear Teenage Eris, relax. Life is so beautiful and there are so many blessings ahead of you. Your grades in school don't matter and you should totally sneak out with Taylor. By the way, you're going to think that it's a good idea to cut your bangs. Don't do it. Love, Eris. I hope you all had a great holiday weekend and I am really excited for our interview today. We have a special interview with Eris Fawnen. She is amazing. She is an incredible athlete. She shares about her experiences with racism growing up. She lived in a predominantly white area and she was one of the only black girls at her school and she shares what it was like for her. I think with the death of George Floyd a little over a month ago, our country has gone through some interesting times and I think it's a wonderful time for us to look at ourselves and see how we can better be allies to our black friends and family and that's why I wanted to share her experience and so that we can all learn a little more from her and how we can not be a part of the problem but be a part of the solution. We talk about how we can talk to our kids about racism and she talks about speaking up and being brave and how she wished that she would have stood up for herself. And I think that she's just such an amazing example of taking this opportunity now to have a voice and share how she feels. She has a really unique perspective because both of her parents are cops and I love what she, how she explains her thoughts on that. And so I hope that you enjoy this interview. I think Eris is an amazing person and I hope you enjoy this interview. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so glad that you were willing to do this today. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and tell us about your family and your siblings and everything? Yeah, so I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. Pretty much lived as far north as you can go in Las Vegas, right against the mountain. I was mostly raised by my dad. Uh, my parents split when I was in middle school and then I ended up moving in with just my dad. And I don't have any siblings, actually. I'm an only child. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not super close with my mom. I just don't have, like, a very healthy relationship with her. So I'm basically a daddy's girl, as you could say. Yeah, how was that for you growing up as a young girl just, just with your dad? Yeah, it was a little weird. <laughs> my, my dad isn't – my dad loves me to death, and I know that. He was affectionate in a fatherly way, and he cared a lot about me, but – I guess I don't really know any different, so I, I didn't get to throw as many fits, I guess, you know? Like, b the excuse of being a girl and going through puberty didn't really work, so <laughs> if that's if that makes sense. Sometimes, as a teenager, you probably throw, girls in general throw more fits than necessary, and so maybe it was good. It made you tough, which you are. You're yeah. tough. Yeah, it made me tough. Tough as nails, right? <laughs> Growing up, when did you feel like you first experienced racism? So my first encounter with racism was when somebody wrote the N-word on my school walls in elementary school. I don't really remember that super well. I just remember my parents pulling me out very quickly after that and putting me into a different elementary school that um, I was going to move to the, the following year. It was a newer school, so I was planning on going there anyway, but I think that kind of pushed them over the edge. The first time I remembered something being a little bit different or realizing that my skin meant something was when I was waiting in, in line 
at lunch in elementary school. And this was right after we watched the Rosa Parks documentary and um, we're learning a little bit about civil rights. And some kids jokingly came up to me and said, hey, you have to go to the back of the line. And I was like, what? (laughs) What does that even mean? And why do I have to go to the back of the line? But I think I immediately knew kind of what they were hinting at or joking at. And I immediately just started crying and they just walked away. And I just, yeah, I didn't talk to anybody about it. I just kind of let it go, you know? That's so sad. And I feel like kids can be so, so mean in elementary school. You know, I remember kids saying things that are really mean, but I feel like especially singling you out, yeah, would just be such a it's such a confusing thing, especially because I feel like young kids, you're like, I'm the same as you. Why would you <laughs> do that to me? And it's almost like this first experience that you're like, wait, do you not see me like everybody else? Yeah, especially I think majority of the people in my school, nobody looked like me. Maybe like maybe one person or two people um, that I can remember. And so, yeah, it was like. <laughs> the one person that they could find to kind of relate that to. And it happened to be me, you know? (laughs) Did anything else like that happen when you were young? I can't particularly remember when I was that young. Um, In elementary or in middle school, um, I was bullied a little bit by some girls, mostly actually some girls that were black. They would come up and say mean things like, you're a disgrace to the black community. Why are you acting so white? And I didn't really understand kind of what they were meaning by acting white. It was just acting me, you know. But I guess if I was, I guess they were talking about how I was talking in full sentences and the people that I was hanging around. And I was kind of, I was more quiet around that time. I was a gymnast. So my schedule was wake up, go to school come home, eat a snack, go to gym for four hours, and then come home, do homework, go to bed, and just do that over and over again. So I didn't really spend a ton of time outside of school with friends other than my other gymnastics friends. So I got bullied quite a bit for random things, for the way that I dressed or the way that I talked or the people I hung around. But yeah, I'm a peacemaker, so I just didn't fight back, and I just, you know, kept walking. (laughs) I'm so sorry. That's so sad. And I just read a book this last year. It's called The Hate You Give. Have you heard of that or have you read it? Yeah. So I've, I've seen the movie. I haven't read the book, but the movie had me just in tears the whole time. So (laughs) yeah, I feel like the movie was like a little more mild than the book. The book is maybe a little more intense, but it was really interesting because the girl was talking about how she went to a predominantly white school and how she felt like she had to act a different way at school but then when she grew up in like a black neighborhood and they kind of like said some stuff to her kind of like what they said to you of being like you act like you're a white girl and so I don't know I feel like it's so hard because there's this pressure on both sides yeah it it's definitely really confusing because I I had friends that I'm mixed. And so I had friends that were also mixed and they would, they would act a certain way around me and our white friends. And then they would go and hang out with their black friends and completely change their dialect and what they were interested in and how they dressed. It was, it just, I didn't understand. (laughs) I just was me, you know, I was never a different person because of the people that I was around, but I totally understood why somebody would go through so much trouble of like changing their the person they are depending on who they're around because it is it's really confusing and it puts you in a weird space who am I and how am I supposed to act you know that sounds like that would be really really hard and kind of just like an added pressure that you have to be thinking about that all the time that you're not just allowed to just be who you are there's these social norms attached to the color of your skin of how you should or shouldn't talk you talking about how you were bullied a little bit in elementary school and junior high. What advice do you have to parents teaching their kids about race and how they can not pick on kids that are different than them? I think the biggest thing is to, instead of teaching your kids that like to not see color, 
I think acknowledging that there is different skin colors and that that's okay. And that's actually beautiful. And Mm -hmm. it's not something that would determine who that person is. So just like when, you know, if like a kid gets braces and they have this meltdown because they're like, I'm ugly now. And I don't, I don't want anyone to see my teeth. You know, it didn't change the person they are inside. They're still, you know, beautiful and likable and wanting and people want to be around them it's the same thing so skin color I think doesn't really determine who you are on the inside you you get to decide that for yourself and so I think if our, if our parents are actively teaching us you know those things that it also applies to skin color and not just the clothes you wear or if you have braces or what your hair color looks like but it's also your skin color as well those things will always be consistently different than those around you but they aren't a determining factor of who you are. I like that. I remember when my son was just little, little, and we were walking up the stairs to our apartment complex one time, and there was this black lady and her son walking up the stairs, and he just kind of said, why are they so dark? And I would have preferred it to be an engaging conversation that we talked about it together, but the lady just kind of kept walking. And so I was just talking to him and saying like, oh yeah, isn't their skin so beautiful? Isn't it amazing that God created people that look differently and everything? But I kind of in the moment was wanted to be like, don't say anything. You know, that was like my natural instinct to be, oh, don't make them feel (laughs) like singled out because of the color of their skin. But I mean, kids are just curious. And so I don't know, what would you do in that situation? If somebody was, if a kid said that to me, or if my child said that. <laughs> what should parents say or what would you prefer that somebody would say if somebody said that about you? Well, I think just acknowledging that they're different is, is actually like a beautiful thing. So maybe encouraging that like, yeah, isn't that cool how like humans can have different skin t- skin tones or skin colors? Yeah, I don't know. That's really hard. I guess did that person feel uncomfortable? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know because they never turned around. Like we okay. were walking behind them, but I know that she heard him and she just kept walking. A lot of times if my kids see somebody who has a disability or they are, have a cane or something yeah. like that and they ask, like, why does that person have that? I'll be like, well, why don't we go ask them? And yeah. we'll talk to them and engage and try to kind of like have it be a learning experience. But I mean, and I don't expect her to turn around and be like, yeah, I mean, explain herself, you know, but right. No. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think I guess explaining, you know, why people are different to begin with. Right. I mean, Heavenly Father made us individual, individually beautiful for a reason. And so it's not, it's not wrong or right to be black or to be white. It's just, it's just something that's unique to the individual. And so I think as long as they know that it's okay and it doesn't, it's not signaling that that person is a certain way besides that the fact that their skin is a different color. I think any answer, you know, would be good as long as you're not trying to, I guess, scare them right off the bat when they're like, why does that person have such dark skin? You're like, oh, don't say that. You know, that's already, in my opinion, um, scaring the child away from even noticing or acknowledging that if that makes sense or that the fact that they look look different that they are wrong you know yeah. I don't know was that a bad answer yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay. no 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 it's good it's good yeah I just I just remember that experience I don't want this person to ever feel yeah. bad but they just kind of like say what they think but I think especially like as they get older and they're in school and having those kind of experiences, right. you want to make sure that you're teaching them the right thing so that they're not yeah. saying things like, well, just saying things like that or saying anything that would make somebody feel bad, you know? I think too, like on the flip side of it, if a child were to say that to me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt my feelings and it actually would make me feel more confident if the parent kind of said you know stepped in and was like it's great that she's different or you know whatever instead of just kind of saying don't say that because then it just I don't know I feel like it's a missed opportunity to teach um, a child that it's okay to be different you said that growing up you were a gymnast you want to tell us a little bit about that 
Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, my mom did gymnastics when she was little. So growing up, my mom would watch, we would watch the Olympics a lot. And I guess one day I was watching, I'm pretty sure it was Dominique Dawes. She's the first African-American gymnast to go to the Olympics and represent United States. And I remember my mom saying, don't you want to do that? And I, I think I said, yeah, that would be so cool. And so she immediately put me in gymnastics and I started, I mean, I feel like I started gymnastics right when I learned how to walk. I was, I was in gymnastics doing those mommy knee classes. So it was a huge part of my life for a very long time. It is a complicated sport. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship for it just because it does, it takes all of your life and dedication to get really good at it. And I think once I got to high school, I was just kind of wanting a more childlike life where I could hang out with friends and go to the movies and have downtime. So I ended up quitting gymnastics my freshman year in high school. I feel like I had a friend growing up down the street that did gymnastics and she ended up doing it in college and literally she went to school and gymnastics every single day, all day. And that's, that was really her life. Yeah. Yeah. It te- it's a really good sport in the fact that it develops you to be determined and responsible and obedient. And I got, I got a lot of really good qualities from gymnastics, but it also is emotionally draining. <laughs> uh, there's some there's some body shaming and like food disorder. We I don't know how to even say that food like negative food. Yeah, like negative food talk. I guess I would say. So there's pluses and minuses. I think I wouldn't be the person I am today without it. But I do know a lot of my friends who were who did do it and had a lot of negative effects from it but gymnastics is yeah it was my life and it it has taught me a lot so yeah yeah so tell us about your experience in high school did you feel like people were more accepting of you in high school and things like that or did you feel like people still singled you out I feel like in high school I had a lot of really good friends and so if people said something that might be inappropriate. They didn't mean it to be inappropriate. Like I had a lot of friends that would say, you're so awesome. You're one of my close friends. I love that you, I love that you don't act black. And they'd say stuff like that where it wasn't, they weren't trying to say it in a mean way and they weren't trying to offend me, but um, it got to a point where I heard that sentence a lot actually so I would correct them (laughs) and I would say how can you act a a color like how do you act purple or how do you act blue and people would be like come on you know what I'm saying and I would kind of just peacefully let it end but I I probably shouldn't have I probably should have pressed the issue a little bit more because I think that although they didn't mean it the way that they it came out it's important to address it so that way it's not a repeated action through generation and generation. Well, and that acting black is a negative thing, right? Right, yeah. Or or whatever that might be. There's not one way to act. If you did act quote-unquote black, that that would make them like you less. Right. Are there other things that people would say that hurt your feelings or that – would be good for people to know to avoid saying? Yeah, I feel like a lot of times people would ask me if my hair was real and that would really bother me because it was something that I was already pretty self-conscious about. (laughs) So it's like, as somebody that has ethnic hair, it it is harder to grow it out. And so a lot of the times Black people will get extensions or they'll get weaves or whatever but I feel like that's like the last thing that you want to be asked right if a if somebody had extensions in their hair they don't want someone to say like are those extensions or are those your real hair you know (laughs) so like when people would wow your hair is so nice and thick is that fake (laughs) yeah exactly or you know 
Like, I think the point of getting, you know, fake hair or fake eyelashes or whatever is so that it looks like it's yours, you know? And so if somebody, I just felt like people would ask me if my hair was real just because I was black and not, not for any other reason, (laughs) which would kind of bother me. Or they'd say stuff like, yeah, like, don't you have to do like some crazy things to do your hair? Like kind of just like mentioning that, trying to mention that my hair was different, but not in a good way. Somebody told me one time that somebody just said like, you're not supposed to compliment black girl hair. And I was like, is that a thing? Because a lot of times I'll be like, wow, your hair is beautiful. I love it. I love how you did it. And then I remember having a friend that told me, oh, you're not actually supposed to comment on their hair. Is that a thing? Do you feel that way? Or is <laughs> No, I know. <laughs> if people comment on my hair and they're like, your hair is beautiful. I love it. That makes me feel good. But if you're like... <laughs> yeah, your hair looks so good. Is it, is it a weave? It's like, okay. (laughs) It's like a backhanded kind of compliment. Like, oh, your hair looks so good. It must not be yours. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's totally just like any other situation. I feel like there's a way to be appropriate about differences and there's a way to not be appropriate. Right. Um, That's weird that somebody would tell you that you can't comment on somebody's hair I can't remember who told me that then I was all of a sudden self-conscious am I not supposed to say things but right like no, yeah absolutely good, I don't think that race should stand in the way of that I think that is a universal value or whatever you want to call it <laughs> and I think that also can play into the fact that that could be one person's opinion and it doesn't mean that that is right. a statement for all black people right right yeah exactly for sure so tell us about how you met your husband (laughs) we went to high school together we were just friends in high school he was one of those guys that wanted to see how many girls he could kiss and I was one of those girls that wanted to see how many straight A's (laughs) I could get so it we definitely did not date in high school <laughs> but when he so he served a mission for for our church and when he came home he just came back a better older more mature version of himself and i said fine you can take me on a date i suppose and from there we just kind of fell in love so yeah <laughs> You guys are a mixed race couple. Has that been something that has been, have you had any challenges with that? Yeah. So I haven't, no one's ever, I mean, yeah, no one's ever really said anything to me that I would consider offensive. I have had some looks in stores, especially now we we live in Utah. So sometimes we'll walk into a grocery store or the mall or the movies and it's usually older couples that will kind of look look at me and give me a weird look and then look at my husband and then look kind of back at me like they're confused. I hate I hate pulling the race card. And so whenever that happens, I always just assume maybe I have something weird in my teeth or maybe Sean's making a weird face. So it's hard to say if that was because of our skin color or if that was just for something else. But I have got the looks before for sure. Sorry, I keep bringing up books, but have you read the book Just Mercy? I haven't. That's something that I really want to read. (laughs) Yeah, put it on your list. Everybody put it on their list. I've been telling everybody to read it. So everyone has to read that. It talks about this guy and who ended up being wrongly convicted of a murder. The reason the town thought of him as a suspect is because he was a black man who had relations with a white woman. And that was just like, looked upon as so negatively and obviously we've come a long way in some regards as a society but I do think that there's still a lot of prejudices and I mean as we can see with what's going on in the world right now that we still have a long way to go but I was just curious if your family was concerned about that for you with marrying your husband yeah with everything kind of going on um, right now currently in the world I I ended up having kind of like a meltdown (laughs) and I ended up calling my dad and kind of just saying, 
you know, I haven't really told you a lot about my experiences with racial discrimination, but I feel like I should because I just kind of let it attack me and not really say anything or fight it or talk about it. And so with everything going on, it kind of just brought back all of these hidden away emotions that I didn't know that I had. And something he said to me at the end of the conversation was, yeah, I've just been waiting (laughs) for you to give me that phone call where you're like, yeah, so today me and Sean were doing this and someone said this to me and it was about, it was because we were an interracial couple and that kind of broke my heart because I, I then realized kind of what fears my dad has had my entire life when I would ask him if I could go out of town with my friends or go travel for a gymnastics competition with a different family rather than going with my parents because it's kind of fun. You like sit in the back seat and you guys watch movies and eat junk on the way there, you know. He, the whole time he was just worried that someone was going to say something to me that I didn't really understand and it would hurt me and he wasn't going to be there to protect me. And so that that kind of broke my heart. And I feel like that is so heartbreaking and it's a hard pressure that I think people who haven't been the majority race that they haven't been able to really understand the the hardship that it is to be black in America. It's been a really eye-opening time for me I to read different things, watch videos, and I feel like it's really heartbreaking and I hope that our society can really learn from from this because I mean I think whenever anything challenging happens I think you can either dismiss it or you can dig a little deeper and learn and I think one thing that all the riots and all the thing taught things taught me was you know don't make it about yourself but think of how can we now change as a society how can we be better and how can we listen to these voices that are hurting that need that feel like that they've been discredited for years and years and have had people that you know in a sense told them to go to the back of the line because they weren't as important and that it's 2020 we should I feel like by this point we should have made it further than we have yeah I grew up in Utah, and so I feel like growing up, we didn't have very many black kids at our high school, and the kids that were, they were the most popular kids at our school. Everyone just loved them. I can't say what their experience was like, but there were only maybe one or two, and so growing up, I didn't really think that racism was a thing, and then I served my mission in Southeast Texas. And my eyes were really open to how segregated some of these towns are and some of the negative stereotypes that people had. I mean, literally towns were divided by the train tracks and not that there was any actual regulations, but that that the towns had kind of set up like segregation. I remember thinking, wow, is this America like is this really happening and so I think a lot of times people think if they haven't experienced it personally then it's not happening (laughs) but I think it's important to be informed and see that actually there are a lot of people hurting and maybe there are a lot more people like you that have been discriminated against or had racist comments put towards you but you kind of just stayed silent or just took it in order to keep the peace but now is a good opportunity for you to speak out and say actually I'm gonna stand up for myself and and not no longer allow someone to yeah do this to me absolutely I think that was kind of the whole reason why I even went and like posted about it was just kind of I had a couple of friends reach out to me and kind of say can you believe that these riots and can you believe all this is happening? Like racism isn't something that is like a huge issue. Like you didn't experience anything and it was kind of like, well, that's my fault because I didn't, you know, I didn't speak up. I didn't share. I didn't talk about it. I just ignored it. And so um, a lot of the reason why I did speak up was just so that I could let those people in my life know, Hey, like, I probably had it so good growing up 
like so, so good. And I had a lot of really, really nice people around me and I still experience, I still had experiences. And so I know that there are people that are not as fortunate as me and weren't raised in such a good area. And so I know for a fact, there are a lot of people that have way worse experiences. And so I think, I mean, I had a lot of people reach out to me and say, you know, thank you for posting this. I didn't realize, you know, that someone like you could have gone through these things. And it really opened my eyes to see that it is, it is a thing. It is something that's real and valid. And I have seen my friends talk to other black people the way that people talk to you. And I should have said something because I didn't realize how offensive that could be. So I think people try to be funny and they try to say stuff that to get a laugh. And I think when people are really sarcastic, a lot of times it's just, it's really hurtful. And I think it's important to be aware of people's feelings and, but also stand up for the people that maybe aren't in a place that they feel like they can stand up for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I know that both of your parents are cops and you know, right now there's a big, like, you know, all these things going on with like cops and, you know, defunding the police and, and kind of almost this like cops versus black lives matter movement. You can either be one or the other. Can you kind of just share a little bit about your feelings on, on all of that? Yeah, I, it's really hard. I obviously am a huge supporter of, the, of our law enforcement and have been forever because both my parents have been cops my entire life. I don't love that the issue with cops has taken over the real issue. Um, I think right now, sometimes people will bring something up in order to silence what's really important. And I think the whole Cops Lives Matters movement is just to shut down the Black Lives Matters movement. I mean, obviously, it, all lives matter and Cops Lives Matter and people shouldn't go around just killing cops just because they're a cop. But I think that because the Black lives and the way that they have been treated specifically from police brutality, I think because it's been ignored for so long, it's gotten to a point where people are lashing out and uh, mistreating police officers when they shouldn't. But I think that we should focus on the problem and not the, um, the result of the problem. If you're going to fix something, you're not going to fix it starting with the result. You're going to fix it starting with the problem. And so I think that there does need to be stricter laws in place when it comes to finding somebody to serve and be a police officer. I think that there needs to be some more checks and security measures when we are selecting those people. And we need to, I don't think that the amount of force and power that is given to a police officer is necessary. We could go on and on about law enforcement, but I think that the people that are concerned about the law enforcement at this time are just ignoring the real issue, which is really upsetting. Can you kind of explain how you feel when people say, when somebody says Black Lives Matter and then they reply like, all lives matter? Why is that an offensive thing? Yeah. So I actually, I saw this meme. It's like one of my favorite memes. So I think it explains it really well. So there's these like two little animated stick figures. One is on the ground holding his leg and the other one is hunched over trying to help the person with his leg. And there's like the commentary, the guy's like, ouch, my leg, I think it's broken. And then there's this other guy right behind them. And he's like, but what about my leg? And he's just standing there and he's totally fine. (laughs) Like all legs matter. (laughs) Just like that is, that is America right now. (laughs) It's like, of course, do all lives matter? Of course, should people be mistreated for 
reasons like race. No, absolutely not. But I think that the issue right now is black lives. And so we as Americans need to have a united front in supporting that no matter what skin color you are, because I feel like all lives can't really matter until black lives start to matter. Yeah. I think a lot of people are confused because they think when we say black lives matter, we're saying like black lives matter more, but all we're asking for is equality. We're not asking for anything more than what you already have. Um, so my husband, his work, they did a really cool thing on Juneteenth and they gave him the day off basically, but they had like a full day of seminars and they had people from their company sharing their experience and talking about systematic racism and talking about how they felt. I feel like even just coming in and I would listen to things here and there, obviously I was like busy doing stuff with the kids, but I would just come in for a few minutes and I just thought it was such a cool experience. And they were talking about movies and podcasts and things we need to listen to. But I feel like my husband was really, you know, I mean, I could tell he was emotional because kind of hearing all of the history and all these things that are happening. And I feel like a, a lot of the things aren't easy to hear, but I think that it's necessary to learn so that we can grow. And I think listening to people's stories and understanding where they come from and how we can better support the black community is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like the people that are trying to focus on other things, they just, they just aren't super educated on what, it really neat, like what's really going on. I love that companies are starting to, you know, give resources out to their employees so that they can get educated and they can understand. I think it's so beautiful and it's, it really, it just shows that we're all, we're kind of all in this together. You know, it's not one race against another or one political view against another. It's, it's everybody against humanity, you know? It's interesting. I watched this one video too, and this woman was kind of explaining why it's not equal right now. Imagine playing Monopoly and no one lets you have any money or buy stuff 400 rounds. You're just like, don't get anything. And then all of a sudden, after not getting anything for all these years, and then you're like, okay, go ahead. (laughs) And then you think it's a fair shot, you know? And so I think that... A lot of people will say things like, oh, yeah, slavery happened a long time ago. Like, just get over it. But (laughs) I don't think people realize, like, their privilege and and what their ancestors have kind of created, even just things like that it's a given that you'll go to college or just certain things. And not saying that that's every Black person's experience, but I think that it's, it's different. And so I think it's good to be aware of that. Yeah. And I think it's good to be aware that we're not saying that, well, I'm not saying, (laughs) I'm not saying that people don't generally go through hard things. I think everybody has their struggles that they go through, but I think the black community struggles only because of their race. And so that's, that's where the issue lies. I, my husband has this friend who he's like, yeah, well, okay, black people have to go through some struggles, but I have to go through some struggles too. He just, he's just missing the point of where that struggle comes from. Yeah. And why it's given to each person. You know, you can't, you can't pick the color of your skin. One thing that was interesting in my husband's seminar, one of the black guys was talking about how he feels like he has to be really careful at work because if he says something or makes a mistake at work, then people will judge his whole race, all of them based off of, you know, and how there was experiences like that they come in, they're at a client's office and they the client's not there yet and the lady let everybody in except for the black guy because they didn't have their id and she didn't believe that he was there to actually help them but that nobody 
but his te- his teammates just like went into the meeting and didn't say, hey, he works here, like, stand up for him. They just kind of like walked in, not even really thinking about the other guy left behind. And yeah, and uh, you know, and all the videos of people feeling like that they're being judged or like, can't go into a store and touch things without feeling like they're stealing them or, or whatever that might be. And so I feel like there there is a burden just that I think a lot of white people haven't really ever had to experience. And not saying that, like you said, not saying that they don't have burdens, but not really directed at your race. Pertaining to their race. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you feel about like the protests going on right now? You said that you kind of had like a a hard time when all of this was happening. So like I said, I haven't really been super open about my experiences. I saw the George Floyd video and at the time I I don't watch the news. I don't really keep in touch with all of that. It just is kind of it depresses me and I don't really know what's true and what's not true, so I try to stay away from it. Um, so originally when I watched the video, I I saw that the police were being very aggressive. And I saw that he he looked like he had lost consciousness, and I, I after that I just stopped watching the video and I talked to my husband about it a little bit, and I remember saying like, they stood on him until he passed out, like that is so awful, and my husband was he was leaving at the time he was in a hurry to get to work, and right when he left, I remember thinking in my head he he did just pass out right like he's okay though. I remember doing my research and then at that moment finding out that he had not just only passed out, but he passed away. And that's when I immediately just started bawling my eyes out and everything just came crashing down all at once. I realized what it kind of means to be black in America and how scary that is and how somebody could watch that video and see somebody die because of their skin color and still there's a controversy about it about whether that person deserved to die anyway or not it just completely tore me to pieces and so I didn't I was at a loss for words I I cried for probably I don't know I want to say four days (laughs) there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't oh have a meltdown (laughs) and I'm not one to just cry I'm not a crier so it was it was really it really took had a really big effect on me and so although the riots are very dangerous and you shouldn't really fight anger with anger I I understand why and I think that if people are more upset about the riots than about the senseless acts that have been taken place from law enforcement I I think that we have a bigger issue on our hands definitely I know that video just was so hard to watch and just seeing the cop's face and just so nonchalantly killing him and and that people were screaming at him and saying like he can't breathe Um, it was just so blatant and I think that, you know, and I I saw this meme too that was like, you know, if people were killing your children, you would probably burn some buildings too. I mean, obviously I don't support the violence and there were a lot of scary things that happened and I feel bad for the businesses that had to suffer because of that. But I, I think that a lot of people feel like they needed to be heard and that that was the only way that they really knew how to express themselves. Yeah, it's really interesting because when Kaepernick did his whole kneeling thing, it just wasn't, I mean, I hate to say it, but it wasn't relevant. So everybody was like, what are you doing? You know, (laughs) like, how dare you um, deface the flag or whatever they were saying about it. And so it was like, he tried to do it peacefully. And then (laughs) now all these riots are happening. Everyone's like, what are you doing? Just do it peacefully. It's like, you no matter what they just want to kind of shut you up (laughs) and get you to stop bringing it up but I think 
it's a beautiful thing that yeah. we're in 2020 and it's not going to, I don't think it's going to go away. I'm, I'm really excited to see the progress and to see what, what we can, you know, grow from this. And I hope people will think about, you know, when they're voting for this next president that they'll think about beyond just political parties, but to think of electing somebody who cares about all human beings, no matter what color they are, because I just think that, you know, if the leader of your country is setting the tone and dismissing other ethnicities, I feel like it's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. So, and it just makes me sad, but we don't need to get political. (laughs) Yeah, political, I think that is, yeah. Political is really hard because it's obviously involved in the topic, but it is, it is not the topic itself. And I think that's where a lot of people are kind of getting lost is they're just making it super political. And they're missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what can what can we all do to be an ally to our black family and friends? I think that the best thing that we can all do is just listen and support. I think a lot of times right now, a lot of black people in the community are speaking out and people are saying things are commenting and discrediting their experiences. So I think that if somebody is brave enough to speak up and share their story or share their experiences, um, that we all just need to take a step back and just listen and take from it what we want and just support them and tell them that you love them. And if you see somebody else that is discrediting or being unkind or racist towards somebody in the black community to just stand up for them I think uh it's one thing for me to say hey like that's not cool but if somebody that's not black stands up for me and says hey that's not cool sometimes people just take it differently I think a lot of the times when I stand up for myself or have stood up for myself in the past people immediately are like oh it's not that big of a deal or I didn't mean it that way you know what I meant but if somebody from a different race says something, then they're like, okay, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think that's... So yeah, just keep staying educated, keep wanting to learn, and um, just keep standing up for what you know is right. Yeah, I like that. And what do you wish that all Americans knew about being a Black person in America? That I wish everybody kind of just understood that it is different. It's not the same. I think that black people in America can be successful, absolutely, without a doubt. But it's just it's just harder. There's different obstacles that you have to overcome because of the color of your skin. Um, I think the sooner people acknowledge that, the sooner that we can get past it and we can change it to be uh, more equal for everybody. I like that. So do you want to tell us a little bit about some of your passions right now with your, I know your, Marianne told me that you own a gym and obviously based off of your pictures, you're in really good shape. How is, (laughs) Uh, just in general, like how's it helped me in general? How has your passion for fitness helped you? I have been an athlete my whole life. And so I think just having that consistent place where I can go and just be me is something that has helped me a lot throughout my life. There can be a blizzard outside and if I'm working out, I don't even recognize it. It's just, there's just like this laser focus that I, that I have when I'm doing my thing. And I think that outlet is super crucial to my happiness. Do you keep pushing yourself to do new goals or how do you kind of keep yourself on track for to do more? Yeah, so I just a few years ago fell in love with the sport of CrossFit. And so if you guys have never done CrossFit before, I encourage you guys to try it. It is seriously the best thing ever. I know a lot of people give CrossFit a bad rap, but it is definitely 
one of the best ways to get in shape and increase your longevity. I recently fell in love with CrossFit and um, I started to do some local competitions and I now have decided that I want to start training to see how far I can get within the CrossFit realm. So I guess a way that I stay motivated is I'm very competitive. So I have goals to go to something called the CrossFit Games, which is basically, it's kind of, it's like similar, it's like the Olympics of CrossFit, I guess you would say. It's not the Olympics, but that's like where really good CrossFit athletes strive to go. And so I have dreams to one day compete. I think that's that's kind of the way I stay motivated. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> well, you look amazing and you're a beautiful person inside and out. And um, I really appreciate you sharing your experiences and, and inform about how we can better help and, and help validate our black friends and family and help them to know that we're on their side and that we want to support them and be there for them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yes. I have one last question for you. And that's if you could go back in time to any stage of life and give yourself advice, where would you go? And what would you say? I think that if I could go back in time, I would go back to middle school and I would unsilence myself and I would stand up for myself and I would tell people that the things that they were saying were unkind and not right. I think that I would have sacrificed some comfort in order to help change the world in a way that could possibly have prevented all of this that's going on right now. I think that if more people were to have spoken up about little tiny things like this, I think we would be a lot further along than what we are. Well, and I think that's a good reminder for all of us. It's okay to sacrifice a little bit of comfort to be able to help to have more progress. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed visiting with you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. It was really fun. This is Liz Gardner. Thank you for listening to Letters to My Younger Self. I love this interview and I hope that you enjoyed it. One of my favorite quotes by Rosa Parks is, to bring about change, you must not be afraid to take the first step. We will fail when we fail to try. And I know that as we keep trying that we can all make the world a better place. Thanks for listening.